Hello and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School podcast presented from Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm Nick and I'm joined by AJ. And this week's lesson is titled Rewards of Faithfulness. And so basically this is going for the week of March 18th through the 24th and uh, kind of a recap lesson, right? Lesson 12, we're um, kind of finishing up this quarter and it's kind of just going over everything that we talked about in the in the previous weeks, but there's a couple of new things that we'll point out on this lesson for sure. Yeah, and if you guys remember, the entire quarter has been, you know, a financial uh, a financial study. Basically, how are you living your life, and how are you living it the way God wants us to live it? So before we get into the study, let's go ahead and bow our heads for a quick prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house to speak and to learn and to share the word that you have provided to us. This entire quarter, Lord, has been very insightful and very meaningful for us as it's given us insight into what your plans are for us and how we fall into those plans. Lord, we want to say thank you, and we look forward to continuing this next lesson coming up for the next quarter, and we want to say thank you for the many blessings you've given us, and we ask for forgiveness for our sins and our transgressions, and we ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the memory text for this week is found in Matthew twenty-five twenty-one, And it says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And we know that this is the parable of the talents. Right? And this can be interpreted in many ways. And um, as I was talking with a couple of people about this this week, it's interesting that this parable is used a lot of the times to talk about um, our actual talents, what we, what we use as, as far as our, our spiritual gifts, right? Preaching, teaching, um, evangelizing, giving Bible studies. But when you really look at the main point of this parable, it's talking about money. You know, the, the master actually gave money to each of these people, these three, these three people, and said, I'm going to give you this money. Go do something with it, right? And so much like today, God is giving us money, and he expects some type of return on that money. Um, everything we know, like we already established early on in these lessons, is that everything is God's. All things belong to him. And like the theme of this entire lesson is that we are managing for the master, and so he's given us these abilities and given us these monetary um, means to be able to further his work. What are we doing with it? And so much like the parable, we saw two of the servants were very faithful in getting the money that was given to them and doubling the money. One had five, turned it into 10. One had two, right, and doubled that. And then you have the one who had the one talent. And what did he do with it? He hid it in the ground. And so, like many times we've covered in this lesson before, is there's times where we can just hoard our money or we can make excuses for say we don't want to do anything with the money or we want it for our own gain or we feel that there's some other purpose or some other means for it. But, but here he's telling us, hey, I want to see you do something with that extra money. If you have ability and you have means to do it, then, then go do it. What we look at, you know, inheritance for instance right you know when someone passes on they usually leave something behind for the family you know that best case scenario yeah you know sometimes it doesn't happen but you know best case scenario you know the kids 
would be able to get something that was their parents, for instance, right? You know, and we see so many times in the news, you know, billionaire passes away, gives all of his wealth to his children, and in two years, their children are broke. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's insane to think that, you know, somebody could squander a gift that much that they're unable to be appreciative of it or understand the meaning of the gift itself. And, you know, looking through scripture and looking at some of the gifts that some people have had, some squandered it, Yeah, you know, and some took, didn't see the benefits of it. You know, Judas to me is one of those key people in scripture that, you know, he followed Christ. He saw the miracles. He experienced the blessings. He, he learned from Jesus directly. And yet at the very end, when it mattered the most, he squandered that opportunity to, Mm -hmm. to become part of something much greater than himself. And it, it backfired on him big time. You know, it's his love for, for monetary gain outweighed his love for God. Yeah, exactly. And one of the main themes, themes that we, that opens up in the portion of the lesson is talking about how we, we can't earn salvation because it's the gift of God. And that kind of goes in kind of what the title of it rewards of faithfulness. When we think about rewards, um, you know, like we said, this quarter has been all about managing for the master. Parable of the talents, like we said, is a perfect example of that of everything we covered. He gives us good gifts, money, and possessions, and we're able to take all those things, use them to the best of our abilities. But when we, when we talk about this in terms of, of our getting a reward, we have that hope that one day we're going to be able to obtain that reward finally, right, in heaven. And so we see that a lot of people, when you talk about salvation we say well it's something that we feel that we have to try to earn and and that's that's always going to come into the debate about works and faith versus works and and i think we'll talk about some of that in the lesson this this week but there's always that 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 thing that it, it always comes up but yet like it talks about here it says though we can never earn salvation the bible uses the hope of a reward as a motive as a motivation for faithful living as undeserving recipients of god's grace and that's exactly what it is. It's just, it's simply God's grace. And we're just going to be the recipients of that if we choose to follow him. Now, we don't have to choose to follow him, right? Yeah. There's, there's, no, there's nothing forcing us to do that as we see that there's going to be many people who choose not to follow him at all in life. And so there's going to, but, but we know that as we, ch- if we make that choice to follow him, there's going to be a reward attached to that. Now, <laughs> that comes up, that, that brings up a question of, well, are people only following Jesus for the reward? Because that can be done, right? That can be that could be something that we all do. We could say, "Oh, I'm only here for the goodies," oh, yeah. right? You know that that that's something that um, will happen in, in in many aspects of life, and it also will happen in Christianity. I believe too that there will be many people who will come to church and read their Bible, all in hopes of just obtaining salvation. But I think if they're just doing that, they're going to miss the point because they're not ever having a relationship with Christ, you know, yeah. and not following him for him. <laughs> and it comes down to that whole, you know, the selfishness aspect of the whole thing. It's, you know, we, we look at the way God wants us to act. And it's been clear throughout this entire quarter 
that, you know, there is a certain standard that God is looking for when it comes to not only giving, but, you know, being compassionate, being trusty, trustworthy, caring, you know, all of those things. There's, there's a purpose for it. And you can't just get the reward at the end. Yeah. If you're not doing these things that God had asked you to do in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, and it would, and sister white here, says it best no finite mind can comprehend the glory of the paradise of god so if all you're hearing from people is you know christ died for your sins that's it yeah you're good to go (laughs) you you got nothing else to do then people are missing the entire point of everything they're missing the reason why we have certain laws that god put in place for us if we think that and we only think that the blood of christ is what saved us that's it. There's nothing else we need to do. Then, then we're we're seriously lacking. Yeah, you know, Christ put it best. He goes, "I didn't come here to change the laws. I've only came here to enforce them and show you to the f- laws. fulfill them. To yeah. Fulfill them." And people take that as, "Oh, he wiped the laws." Wiped out. the law. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that kind of goes with the whole thing with what people talk about: once saved, always saved, right? It's like, they yep. accept Jesus Christ. Well, I accepted Jesus Christ once, so I'm saved, and I don't have to do anything that has to pertain with the law. Nothing at all. Yeah. And so they use that as a, I feel that it's most of the time used as an excuse, so that way they could continue to live on life how they want to live it compared to how God wants us to live our lives. And basically everything that we talked about in this quarter so far has been talking about how God wants us to live our lives, right? Yep. That selflessness and not being greedy and giving when we're supposed to give and not hoarding up and not storing our treasures on earth, but putting them in heaven. All of those things are characteristics of, like Christ said, those are the characteristics of my kingdom, of who he is, his character. And if we're not emulating those, if we're not doing those same things, like, I mean, we're like you said, we're missing the point. We're really missing the point, And we're just here because... We probably want the want the reward at the end, but don't want to do anything yeah. to try to, to gain for it. And and I know that's a hard topic for a lot of people because they say, well, if I don't have to do anything, then what's the point of keeping the law? And if I have to keep the law, then then I'm doing works, right? And there's this fine balance about it, which obviously we can get into a whole another study just oh, yeah. on that alone, <laughs> you know. But but there's you always hear these types of things when it comes when it comes to talk about that, especially when it comes in with reward and, and talking about our faith. So and I, th- I think a good example to look at too about this whole missing the point thing is, you know, let's, let's look at somebody who's been very successful in their life, multimillionaire. They have everything that you could possibly imagine and they have children. Now in a good scenario, the children have learned how to be successful on their own. Yeah. Learn how to survive on their own. And in many cases, as young Christians, you know, we kind of struggle with that. It's like, well, we, like you said, we have that mentality. It's like, well, Christ did all the hard work. Yeah. What am, I don't think I need to really do anything different. Mm-hmm. And as they grow older, they start seeing, well, maybe I should have learned something because. At the end, they're expecting this huge reward that their parents are going to give them because, you know, their parents were successful. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. If yeah. you didn't earn it yourself, if you didn't learn to take responsibility for your actions, didn't learn how to grow and to achieve on your own, 
you can't sit there and expect that your parents are going to leave you this big inheritance yeah. and you've done absolutely nothing in your life to actually make that inheritance purposeful yeah. or worthy even having. And it's the same case. Christ has given so much. God has put out so much of a reward that if we're not showing that we're capable of accepting and understanding that reward, we're not going to get it. We're not going to see it at the end. Yeah. And so that kind of brings us into the point of the next section of the lesson, talking about rewards for faithfulness. There actually is a reward, right? For many, um, I think this is a hard concept because, like I said, if they argue, well, salvation is a free gift and all we have to do is accept it, and then, you know, why why will Christ come and reward some and not reward others, yeah. right? Why is he going to uh, reward people according to what they have done if if it's not about our works? And so that's a question that I hear a lot and um, something that comes up often, right? But we he, in here in Hebrews 11, 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So even that right there is telling us that without faith, we know it is impossible to please God, right? So for somebody has to come to God, first of all, then they have to believe that there's a God. You say, oh, well, that's easy. It's easy to believe in a God. Yeah. Well, not for not for the majority <laughs> of the world, right? For the majority of the world, they believe that there is no God or that if there is a God, he's a mean, angry God who does nothing but wants to hurt people and punish people and do things to them that that they feel is is contrary to what they believe a God should be, right? Yeah. This God of love that we speak about, that Christians speak about, well, that's no God of love who who allows you know people to die and doesn't protect them from this and that, right? And and so they there's always going to be this, um, yeah, there's basically excuses to say, well, I don't think that that God is like is is there, God is real, or God cares about me even, and that's why it said when. For those who come to God must believe that he is, first of all, I mean, if you want to believe in the reward, that there's a reward and there is a heaven, you first must believe that there is a God, yeah. right? And that's not always easy for the for the majority of this world. I, I would even dare to say it's probably a struggle for some Christians. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's guaranteed it's a struggle for most Christians, you know. And I, I and it's it's amazing that, you know, the struggles that we're experiencing today, Christ called that out way in the beginning. He said, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to have people say yeah. evil things. You're going to have bad things happen to you if you are following and doing the works in my name. Yeah. You know, but what's really crazy because everybody hears, oh, persecution, they're going to torture us, they're going to capture us, they're going to put us in jail, they're going to punish us for <laughs> believing in God and following the scripture. Yeah. And Christ says, don't worry about that. That's, not, that's nothing to worry about. He goes, actually rejoice and be happy that that's happening to you because, and it's, it's so funny that me and my wife actually talked about this one time, that whenever you're on the right path, you're going to see the most strife. Oh, yeah. You're going to see the most pain when you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing the right thing and you're doing something completely contradictory, yeah, you'll be surprised how smooth that goes. And But it's a false smoothness. Because Satan's only going to attack you 
if you're following scripture, you're following the word, you're being faithful to the Lord. He's going to leave you alone. If you're not on the right path, he's yeah. going to, he's like, cause you're doing the work for him. And here, you know, I've personally felt it. You know, my wife yeah. has felt it. I, yeah. I know family members, people are in this church. have felt it when, when people step up in this church and they start doing things and they start trying to get this place going, get things done. Anxiety. People get sick. Yeah. You know, people get stressed out and just disappear from the church for a while. You know, we start hearing rumors, we start seeing things and it's just small little attacks. It's nothing direct or straight out front at you, but it's small little things because it's Satan sitting there going, I know you're on the right path, but I'm going to try to get you to doubt yourself. Yeah, that's, that's right. You're hundred percent right there. And I know that that's true because I think about to my late, you know, my late teens, I was hanging out with all the friends I was hanging out. We we're, you know, doing all the things we we're doing, partying and drinking. And as long as you're doing the things that everybody's doing, nobody gives you a problem at all. Yep. But I remember back to the day that I said, I'm done with living all of this lifestyle and I'm going to go back and go back to church and, trying to get my life right, boy, there's the opposition. Oh, yeah. All those people that you thought were your friends, no seem, longer your friends. <laughs> yeah, they, they seem to disappear very quickly, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and not only disappear, but really criticize you in ways that you never thought they would criticize you whatsoever. And just because of you wanted to do something that was right and and better yourself and better your life, and they're just like, no, you're you're stupid, man. Yeah. <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> what is wrong with you? There's some, there must be something wrong with you. And so it's true, you know, it ha it's one of those things that happens that when you want to do the right thing, you're going to be faced with, with a lot of, of things that you didn't think that were possible, and even from people that you thought were your friends. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and so like we, saw, we talked about here is that works, that works and faith thing, um, and that works, when you really think about the works, and, and your works are really personal achievements, they're um, things that you do on your own. And what it talks about here about the reward is that that reward is given freely, right? Yeah. We read that verse, talked about grace, which is basically courteous goodwill. It is the goodwill of God that gives us salvation. He says, look, like you said, I did all the work, right? Christ did all the work, and I'm going to give this to you. And I kind of wonder if the, heart, the, the, the thing is why, we're, why we don't always accept that is because we're so used to working for everything. You know, we're so used to putting in the time, working for a paycheck, working to get, you know, towards our goals. And when, think about when somebody gives you something for free, somebody just gives you something, you're like, are you sure? Yeah. Like you, you watch, I'm sure you watch those YouTube videos too, where people are going around and giving out money for free. Like, hey, here's $100. And people kind of look at them like, like, are you serious? Are you for real? Like, why are you doing this? It's kind of strange. We're not used to people just giving away stuff for free, especially something that has a lot of value. Oh, yeah. You know, you want to give away an old couch that's all beat up. That's one thing. But but giving somebody $100, like, you say, why, why would you do this? It kind of seems awkward to us. And so when God's saying, here, I'm giving you salvation as a free gift, we're kind of like, no, 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 no. It can't be that easy. There has to be something I have I have to do, right? Like, I got I to gotta walk 20 miles with no shoes or something because yep. I have to do this this these sacrifices in order to be able to earn the salvation. And we're just not used to that. Yeah. It, it's, and like you said, those videos are all over YouTube. They're all over social media mm -hmm. and it's, 
it's the same thing. It's like everybody's looking around like, okay, where's the camera? Yeah. Where, where's the joke in this? You know, because like you said, most people, the first thing people think of is always a negative thought. Yeah. You know, nobody thinks, oh, wow, thank you. It's got to be a trick here, you know. But what I've seen, too, is there's ones that, you know, are quite emotional where somebody is, like, in the pits and a, just this general random act of kindness yeah. completely changes their lives. And that's amazing. You know, that's great to see. But then as you're watching this, you get that little voice in your head going, it's all fake. Yeah, they, they yeah. set it up. It's like... <laughs> Where did that thought come from all of a sudden? Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm not doing it. I'm only watching it online. And yeah, there's, you, you got to be cautious what you see online. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to look at it as, okay, will this inspire me to do something like that for somebody else? Yeah. And that's, that's really what you want to do. You want to be able to give freely to other people. Yeah. And as we're talking about this, I'm sitting here and I'm reading Romans eleven six a few times because the way it's worded, it can get confusing. But if you read it line by line, yeah. it, it makes sense. And it says, and if by grace, which we've already talked about, mm-hmm. then it is no longer of works. So right there we're, we're hearing, okay, there is grace. We are given salvation by grace. It's not by our works, but it's by grace. It's there. But then it says, otherwise, grace is no longer grace. (laughs) So if grace, if it is no longer of works, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. (laughs) And it's... When you read it, it sounds confusing, but if you read it, like I said, line by line, piece by piece, it makes sense. It's saying there is grace and there's works. You can't just have works and not have grace, but you can't have grace without work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and, And that's the thing is, and I've always explained it this way. The best way it's explained to me is how I explain it to other people is that, okay, Christ died for you and I, right? And in doing so, he made it possible for us to be reconnected, reconciled to God. The salvation part is his gift. It's free. Now, when somebody gives you something for free, what do you you like to do? You like to thank them. Well, you should thank them, (laughs) right? Hopefully. (laughs) You should thank them. And when somebody's giving something to me for free that has like a high value, and I know it has a high value... I feel like an an immense amount of gratitude that I like, hey, you know what? Because you did this for me, whenever you need me, whenever you need my help for something, even if I can't pay you back in in money, maybe you need me to help you move when you move out of a house or something. I'll be there. Just call me. And you want to give that back. So those are your those are your works. You're doing something out of gratitude because you say, man, I just want to do something back because I because I care because what you did for me meant so much. I want to do something back. And so if we apply that to what we've studied this entire quarter, when he talks about all of the things about with the money, right? Paying our tithe and giving to others because he gave so much to us already out of gratitude, we should want to do those things to other people or other people. That's the key part right there. Yeah. You would 
want want to, to. do it. Not by force. Not, not because somebody told you you had to. Or you feel guilty because you've got yes. some. It's, yes. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle is with that concept. It's you've been given such an, a beautiful gift, as you said, you know, something amazing. Yeah. And that should open your heart up to want to share that and to show gratitude, as you said, for that gift, not to see it as a burden, which I think a lot of Christians at times do see yeah. it as. It's, yeah. it's like, well, now I have eternal life at this. If I follow these things and they make it a burden on themselves. Yeah. And that's not what God is trying to do. He goes, no, no, no. The gift is there. Know that. That's it. The gift exists. How you utilize that knowledge that you've received this gift is up to you. Yeah. You know, do you want to squander it? Do you want to feel guilty for it? Or do you want to be appreciative and show the appreciation saying, God, thank you for the gift. You did not have to give that to me. Mm-hmm. And But as you said, I will do what I think I need to do to, you know, to show some humbleness, show some appreciation for this. Yeah. And that's basically what it comes down to. And I think a lot of people forget that. They think, okay, now I have this gift. Now I got to work for it. Yeah. It's like, it's not a gift if you have to work for it. Yeah. It's not a gift if you have to give something back. It's willingness to want to show the appreciation. I think we mentioned that a couple of lessons ago, right? It was the attitude behind the giving, right? If you give out of uh, grudgingly, it's what's the point of giving? <laughs> you know? And so we, what you just said, we take that back to what we read in the parable, right, of the talents. And it's the same thing. We, we can apply that to the parable of what we just talked about, that God, that, that this master gave money to these two, to these three people. And two of them did something with it because they wanted to, because they said, I want to, I want to do something with this so I can show that I've made more for my master. And then you had the one who hit it. Well, we can be, we could be either side of that, right? We can say we, because Christ gave us salvation. Now I want to do good things for other people because I really want to. And I want to show them how much I'm grateful or I can choose to do nothing and just hide it and just say, well, I'm just going to keep it to myself. And I'm just, I guess I don't really want to work for it. And I'm just going to, you know, just put it, hide it over here. And so we can be on either side of that, right? And, and one, of, one of the things that I pulled out also from reading a couple of these other verses here in Hebrews was that fact that because Christ died for our sins, there's automatically a reward attached to that, whether we accept it or not, right? So here Christ dies on the cross, and he says, because I did this, everybody moving forward is going to be able to have the opportunity to be reconciled to God. Whether they choose to accept it is up to them. Like we mentioned, they don't have to accept it. Yeah. And when I think about that whole idea, I thought about like thought about example with my own kids. Um, there's many times I would tell my kids, "Hey, look, if you do well in something, you get good grades. You know, by the by this time period, I'll give you a reward, some type of motivation to get them going. Right. And sometimes yeah. they need that. Um. But sometimes what happens is they would fall short because, you know, they got distracted. Their friends, you know, distracted them in class and they didn't always do the, the work that, I, that they were supposed to do and they fell short in their grades. And so 
in the end, they still, well, we're not going to get our reward. It's like, no, you're not going to get your reward. But sometimes, even when they fell short, I'd still give them the reward. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd still give it to them. Why, did, why would I do that? Because I love them. I, I want to give them good things. I still see that they tried the best they could. And, you know, they fell a little bit short. Yeah. Right? But it's the same thing with us and God. Many times in life, we're going to make mistakes. We're sinners. The Bible tells us we're sinners. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to fall short. We're going we're gonna to mess up. And yet, even in those times where we mess up, God still says, I'm still going to give you good things. Yeah. I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to bless you with those things, even though you fell short. I'm still going to give you the gift because you believe in me, because you're trying your hardest. And I see that you have a genuine heart and you're trying to help other people. Like that, that relation, that relationship with like that I have with my kids. And I see, I can relate that to God with me and, and, and how I live. Right. And it just, it just kind of gives me a different picture of, of what it is like. And it's not so, like I said, not so harsh at the end. We're yeah. just like, God doesn't <laughs> want me to have anything. And he's going to, you know, he's just going to, he's going to destroy me at the end because I wasn't perfect. Yeah. And it's, and it comes down to basically, as you say, it's, there's two rewards at the end of this. Yeah. And as, and I'm saying reward as in, there is something that's going to happen at the end and that it will be your just reward. What I mean by that is we look at scripture and there's, there's only two options at the end. It's either eternal life or eternal death. And, you know, I, I, I want to be on the eternal life side because that eternal death is, it's not you going to, going to hell and being tortured by demons and sitting in a pool of lava or anything like that or forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Or being stuck with lawyers and tax attorneys. You know, no, that's not (laughs) the case. The eternal death is you no longer exist. You are snapped. Thanos snapped out of existence. It's the best. That's it. Yeah. You know, you think about that and you think, and this lesson where it's talking about the everlasting life, we look at everything. There's, there is no middle ground. There really isn't. There's no, this I'm straddling the fence kind of thing. I don't know if I want to be good. I don't know if I want to be bad. No, it's, it's a choice you have to make just like everything in life. There's a choice you have to make and there's going to be consequences with either choice. Mm -hmm. Now, are the consequences you want good ones or are the consequences that you want the bad ones? And it's, it's, it's crazy that it's that, that black and white. And some yeah. people are, are trying to find that little bit of gray in there oh, and yeah. hoping, but there is no, there's no gray. There's no shadow. We want the purgatory, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll read those two sides right here. Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, right? That's it. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in John three sixteen we have the other side. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Those are your two options. 
you know, you, you can try all you want to find something else in between there and you could probably make something up if you really wanted to, but that's it. You're either going to go for eternal life or like you said, eternal death. There's nothing else. And, you know, we're going to hear all kinds of things made up for people that they want to put some other options in there and say that there's multiple ways and multiple options. But the Bible's pretty clear. It tells us that there's only two, yeah. right? You know, and, and I always find it fascinating that, that we can make a choice to accept Christ, to accept Jesus, and, and all that comes with him, yet we can also make that same decision we no longer want to accept him. And not only that it happens once, like it's a one-time thing, but that can happen multiple times in our life. I know yeah. for myself it's happened. I can go from fully, yes, I believe in, you know, I've seen, and I've seen people too on, on the other side of that is the fact that they, they accept Christ and everything that, that comes with him. And something happens in life at some point where they completely say, no, I don't believe in any of that anymore. Yeah. To the point where they turn, I mean, like turn atheist, you know. I, I will admit that was me. That's where I was. I grew up Roman Catholic, and I I've talked about this in mm-hmm. sermons I've given, in Sabbath school lessons I've talked. About. I think you've talked about it here a couple yeah. of times on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but I think it's it, it's it's a good example that you know there are ups and downs in everyone's life. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be those points, and there's always going to be those moments where you're going to doubt. That's normal. If it wasn't, and you never had a doubt in your life, yeah. I'm really wondering if you're human. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it happens. And, you know, Jesus was there, and he said, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to doubt. During the times you're being persecuted, you're going to have doubts. Have doubts. Just but those are the times that you need to push those doubts away and stay sh- true and stay strong. It's, for me, I had left church, I've left religion, I stopped believing at a young age. And it took a couple years into being into the military for me to have some kind of, a, I guess, epiphany that something is bigger than me. Something is going on that I have no control over, but it feels like something has control over it. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't know if it was God. I didn't know if it was Buddha. I didn't know if it was, <laughs> you know, Ra, the sun god. I, I didn't know. But I was at a point in my life that I felt I was at my lowest. Mm-hmm. And they always say, when you're at your lowest, the only way to go is up, right? Yep, that's right. I kind of <laughs> took that literal and I looked up. And I was out in the middle of the ocean. Nothing around. Pure darkness. You could see every single star in the sky. You could see satellites screaming across. That's how dark it was. And it was in that moment where I was really at my low point that I broke down. And I think for me, that me breaking down the way I did and just saying, God, if you are out there, I'm struggling. And I really just laid everything out while I was standing on watch on the back of a destroyer in the middle of the night. I broke down and something clicked for me. Something seemed different after I kind of just let it all out. 
and I, I literally gave it to God. Mm-hmm. I didn't know at that time for me that it was God that I was giving you. I, I was just like, whoever's listening, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm lost. And things started changing in my life. Things started, I started seeing openings that weren't there before. And I, and honestly, I think a lot of it led to me meeting my wife, mm-hmm. her bringing me into the church and finding that reconciliation I've been looking for in my life to get with God. Yeah. And it's crazy because I never saw myself having kids. I never saw myself having my own home. I never saw myself having a job that, you know, I can do the things I want to do, take care of my family and be able to enjoy life, let alone be an elder in a church. I never saw that one come. Yeah. (laughs) You know, standing up there at the pulpit and giving a sermon. If somebody would have came to me when I was 18 years old, when I was lost and said, hey, one of these days you're going to be in church, you're going to be giving your story to people, and you're going to be preaching, I would start laughing more than likely and be like, yeah, right, whatever. But I noticed that when I did commit myself to God and I did – start learning more and start getting closer. And when I became an elder, you know, and we started doing this project here. Yeah. I feel like my, my life's gotten closer to God because now there's, it's not this, uh, okay, I'll I'll read a couple of verses. It's now more of, I want to read a couple of verses. I want to plan and get ready for the next study. I want to get ready for, you know, going to church on Sabbath morning. I, I, it's now a want to do instead of a feeling like I have to, have do, to do it. Yeah. Which we kind of talked about. Yeah. The awesome part about that story is that when you were on the back of that destroyer looking up in the sky, God probably already knew you were going to be an elder. <laughs> yeah, probably. He was <laughs> so I said, I'm going to get you one day. I'm going to get you and you're going to, you're going to be here. And that's why you're here. <laughs> and I, I think, cause I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it. I'm looking at John 14 mm-hmm. and that first first part of that verse, you know, I think now thinking about that story and thinking about that change in my life, this is where I was at. It said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Mm-hmm. And I think at that moment it, it was that. It was me in the process of seeking, recognizing something was greater than myself, which is the first thing you got to do. If you're going to follow God and you're going to, you know, follow Christ, take yourself out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Because if you keep yourself in the picture in the entire time, all you're going to do is just, you're going to put roadblocks in front of yourself. Yep. Constantly. And here it says in my father's house are so many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And that's the promise. That's the promise that we are all waiting for, which pretty much takes us into Tuesday's portion of the lesson. Yep. Talking about the New Jerusalem. And that new city is that city that God built for those who accept him and follow him. Um, and when you think about rewards, that's a reward. <laughs> a reward that, I mean, seriously, if you, if you ever sat there and tried to contemplate heaven, even from 
reading the Bible and, and reading, reading Ellen White books, and you try to comprehend what this is going to look like, it's going to leave you with so many unknown unknowns, right? You're going to have more questions than you have answers. What, well, what's this going to be like? What's that going to be like? Because try to think about, we try to grasp it, and we just can't. We think about the, the most beautiful places on this planet that we've ever seen, and we say, that's, that's amazing, and yet heaven will be way beyond that. Oh, yeah. And, and so if you say, well, it's going to be way beyond what I could even see to me, which is the most beautiful things on this planet, I don't even know what else my mind can create to come up with the fact that there's going to be something better than that. That's, that's crazy even to stop a thing. So when you, just, you really stop and try to think about heaven, it's like, <laughs> I can't grasp it. I can't grasp it yet. I think that's what makes it so much more interesting is the fact that and it's something that I don't even understand or even can comprehend. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. Well, there was a – so me and my family and stuff, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were doing a study on, um, on Friday night, and we were looking at, you know, at heaven, the promise of what a heaven is. And we found a website that takes all the verses that speak of what heaven looks like. Yeah. And an artist's rendition, I guess. Yeah. And it is, this size alone is larger than the United States. Of the, of the, um, of like particularly heaven or the city or? The city. The city yeah. itself, like city itself. When it, when we see it come, the, the 12 tribes are all, you know, are the foundation. 12 And a different stone. That, if you look at the stones when they're polished and they're beautiful and they're cut, they're absolutely amazing. Now imagine that this is your foundation yeah. of your new home, that these precious stones are that. But then as we were reading it, um, they because we don't we don't fully understand or can't even comprehend what heaven is truly going to look like. We just know what we read about in scripture, what we read about in revelations of what it's supposed to look like. And one of the fra- passages in there talks about the doors to heaven mm-hmm. are pearl. Now, when we look at it, a door made of pearl, are we thinking like it's just a door that's just cut yeah. from pearls? <laughs> or are we thinking of a giant pearl that is used as a door? And this this um, architect had broken it down going, okay, if you're going to build a city such as this, one that is this precious, you're not just going to have a pearl that's cut and made and formed in the shape of a door. Because mm-hmm. if you cut a pearl, it loses its structural integrity and basically will just chip away and turn to dust. But if you take a pearl, a round yeah. pearl, and you make that the door, now imagine a, I think this was a 1,200 feet, 1,200 foot door. This is a 1,200-foot pearl. pearl. yeah. And he was like, honestly, the structural integrity of a pearl, you could stand on it, you can run it over, mm. because of the way it is shaped and the way the tension on it is, it's impenetrable. You can't break it just by stepping on it or anything like mm. that. Maybe really thinks like, wow, you take a 1,200-foot 
pearl. Yeah. Nothing is going to get through that. Yeah. And then the fact that it says that the streets are of gold, it's like, to us, we're like, that's amazing. That's awesome. Streets of gold. It's like, that's pavement, man. <laughs> you know, gold is your pavement that you're going to be walking and on. Like, it's not even normal gold. Yeah. It is a translucent gold. gold. Yeah. Now, the only time I ever think of like a translucent metal, and I'm a Star Trek geek, <laughs> and if anybody remembers the voyage home in Star Trek, Scotty is talking about transparent aluminum. Something so clear yeah. as transparent gold. Yeah, I know. Wow, that that would just be impressive. And and to us, that's absolutely impressive. And he says, well, that's what you're going to walk on. <laughs> That's, That's what the walls are made of. <laughs> it's crazy. The walls, the, the ground, the buildings are made of this translucent that's a, that's gold. It's crazy, man. Like you said, even just us talking about it, now you're trying to like put a picture in your mind. It's like, it's so incomplete, you know, like you, you could try your best to do what you can. I mean, I, I build homes and <laughs> you can see, like we see some amazing multi-million dollar homes that we work in and they're beautiful. I mean, they're just absolutely gorgeous. The detail, the woodwork, the granite and the marble that they put into these houses. And that's still nothing in comparison, right? And I, we look at that as the best that we can get here on this earth, the best that money can buy. And yet it's going to be nothing. And that's hard to comprehend because what yeah. we see here now is like, gosh, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's really amazing. If anybody... And I, I'm probably dating myself a little bit here, but honestly, when you read scripture and trust me, if anybody's never read in scripture, how heaven is described, you need to take the time and read through it. Robin Leach would not be able to describe how beautiful this, this kingdom's going to be the new Jerusalem, the, the beauty of it. And if everybody remembers, you know, Robin Leach used to do that show back in the early 90s talking about, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> Nothing that anybody who's rich or famous on this planet, not even the architects or anybody alive today, tomorrow, or in the past, can comprehend the beauty, the structure, and just the overall impressiveness that New Jerusalem is supposed to be. Yeah. And that alone should make us want to say, man, I want to I be there. Oh, yeah. I want to be there. I want to see it for myself. I want to experience it. That's something you don't want to miss out on, for sure. But then when you think about it, too, <clears throat> it's 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 scary to think that there's going to be people at that time. They're going to see Jesus come in the clouds. They're going to see the new Jerusalem getting ready to descend. Mm -hmm. They're going to see <clears throat> the war, the final battle take place, and they're still going to deny. Yeah, that's... That's the amazing part about all of it, right? It's it, it's hard to comprehend, but it calls it out in Scripture. It says there mm -hmm. are going to be those that are going to look away. I'm going to be one of those people that are like, get the camera. This yeah, is yeah, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it's, it's really those that take the time and read. Because a lot of people think the end of times is going to be that – it's going to be a massive battle. You're going to be stuck here on earth. You're going to watch angels fight demons. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's just going to be chaos. God's not going to put people through that. And that's what people need to really understand. When God returns, 
when Christ arrives, that's it. It's not going to be seven years. It's not going to be eight years. It's not going to be a thousand years. Jesus is going to take those that are faithful, those that have repented, those that have believed, those that have followed, those that, even those that don't know Christ by name, but have followed the ways of the Lord, mm-hmm. are going to be called home. And then those that are left, that's it. Snap, gone. Yeah, It's not... And and we talked about this before in a lesson where the end times are not going to be this long drawn out process where people are going to be in pain and suffering and tortured and all this. No, that's not who God is. That's not what God is about. There's God is even at the end, God is still compassionate. Even with those that are still doubting him, God is still compassionate. He's not going to put people through things that they shouldn't be put through. The easiest and most humane thing, and if anybody's, you know, ever put or seen a loved one pass away, somebody close to your family, you don't want to see them suffer. Yeah. It's easier just to let them go and just be end with it. Yeah. And, you know, we look at all this, we read about the New Jerusalem, we read that there's two choices, life or death. That's it it really kind of puts a lot of things in perspective in your life. It's where do you want to be? Do you want to have that eternal life sitting in Jerusalem, walking with your ancestors, going to a sermon given by Jesus, (laughs) which honestly, one of the bigger things I'm looking forward to Mm -hmm. that. And you have to think the library in heaven is God. It'd be amazing. We never stop learning. That's, that alone is like, we always, we I mean, even, even in our short lifespan now, we don't ever learn everything we could possibly learn. But the fact that there's going to be more than that to be able to learn for an eternity, that things that we don't even, that we probably can't even think about now is going to be like, man, that's, yep. that's going to be something. Um, before we finish up on this portion of the lesson, I just want to talk about, um, well, actually, no, let's just, let's just go to Wednesday. Wednesday's portion is really um, kind of something else that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty important. Talking about Matthew 24 and speaking about what you said about the signs of the times, right? Now, I don't know if any of you have ever have read Matthew chapter 24 or if you've read it recently, but um, we're living this now. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you read most of those things going on in Matthew chapter 24 and it's stuff we've been seeing daily. You know, it's not something that we just, that oh, it's going to happen in the far future. This, this is something that we're living with now. And when you follow up with that in Matthew chapter 25, it talks about the condition of the church prior to his second coming. And I thought it was interesting that it talked about the condition of the church, not the condition of the world, right? And in that chapter, it gives three different stories. And the first story is the story of the ten virgins. The second is the parable of the talents. And then the third are those who are blessed because they took care of those who were in need. And when you look at those three stories, and um, each one has its own has its own theme. The first one talks about those who are watching and waiting for Christ to return and those who are not. Um, of course, we won't get into the whole depth of it because yeah. we can go off, off into that for another hour. But the condition of the church prior to what Christ, when Christ comes back is that there's going to be people in his church that are wa- watching and waiting for him and those that are not. Yep. And when you think about that in God's church, that should be eye-opening because 
we assume that just because everybody goes to church or the people who go to church will all oh, they're all going to be saved automatically but like we talked about in the beginning of this of this podcast is that there's going to be a lot of people that are just doing the things because they want a reward or they yeah. hope to gain something in the process but their hearts are not actually in it 100% and that there's going to be those types of people that are going to be in the church right before he comes and i i as as much as i read chapter 24 and see that we're living in those times i think we're living in that time right now where there's yeah. plenty of people today that are watching and waiting for Christ and there's an entire group in the church that are not even paying attention and our brother Mario, his favorite thing he likes to talk about is the Laodicean church. Yeah. Because we are in that time where we are a lukewarm church. Yeah, we're sleeping. Yeah. And the only reason why we're lukewarm is because we do have those that are hot, and then we have those that are cold yeah. by faith. And it it's a very, very weird place to be for a church to mm-hmm. to have people show up only to show up because they feel like they're obligated to show up. They're only there for a reward because they're there. Yeah. They're only there for potluck. Uh, Trust hey, us, potluck yeah. is good. But, <laughs> but it goes back to that whole thing that we've talked about throughout this entire quarter is what are your intentions? Mm-hmm. What is your heart there for? You know, is your heart there to just get the reward? Yeah. Or are you there to learn the word and to be able to share the word? And your heart is there in the word. Yeah. And that's really the main difference. It's what's your intentions? What are you here for? And is what you're here for what God wants you to be here for? Or are you here for yourself? Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned the Laodicean church because one of the characteristics of that church is that they are increased with goods and they say they have need of nothing. Going Talking about this entire quarter, that's... That's kind of the been main theme here is if we're storing up our treasures on earth and we're saving all this money and we're not doing anything to help the cause of God, why? But why? Because we're worried about material possessions. We're worried about gaining more things in this world. And when we increase our goods, we feel that we don't have any need of Christ. We feel that we don't have any need. And it's that this whole quarter has been one of those conditions that's causing our our yeah. lukewarmness, right? And so we see in also... A, the second story here where it talks about the parable of talents, which we mentioned in the beginning already, talks about those who are entrusted with monetary blessings from the Lord and what they choose to do with them. And that's exactly what this entire quarter has been talking about, right? It's, it's about what are we doing with those blessings that he gives us. And I think the end of this one here ties into the last lesson, and, you know, the eyes on the prize. Our eyes should be on should be on joining him when New Jerusalem arrives. Yeah. And making sure that the people that we care about the most are there with us. Because we shouldn't be just trying to get to heaven for ourselves. We should be trying to get to heaven and bring our friends, our family, our neighbors, our our kinfolk, the people around us, our coworkers. We should be trying to bring them with us. Now, inevitably, the choice is going to be theirs. You know, we we can only set set them on the path they need to follow, but whether they follow it, it's going to be on their own. That's between them and and God themselves. You know, it's nothing that we can force. Yeah. But we need to put the effort into get them to to see that there is a way, 
to get this prize, to to get there and to be with their loved ones, to be with their friends, to be with their family at the end of times and not be part of that that second awakening, that second coming. You know, you, you don't want to be at that last part because <laughs> yeah. when they wait, when the Lord wakes you up at that last moment, it's not to wake you up to say, hey, you know, let's talk for five minutes <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to give you one more chance. No, your chance was given. It, yeah. And we see with that with Paul. Paul knew that even though he is going to go through all these problems on earth, that that he had to endure them over and over, that it would be nothing in comparison to the reward waiting for him when Christ returns. And that reward is that that one thing is that what he looked for, his eyes were on that end goal, right? It's the very thing that motivated him to push on when he was faced with those problems, when he's faced with persecution. Paul understood that if he associated himself with Christ, he was then a child of God. And he mentions that here in one of the scriptures. And as a child of God, he would be entitled entitled to the rewards of eternal life. Yep. So by tying himself to that and keeping his eyes focused on that, that's he knew that if I do this, then I, I'm go, I'm going to be able to see him when yep. he comes. I'm going to be able to see him when he comes. And and I think the last portion of that here, what it talked about, and it is some of the verses that we had read earlier on, um, in this quarter, and it talked about godliness is accompanied by contentment, and. That's one of the main themes that I got from this entire quarter over and over that we saw that godliness is accompanied by contentment. And that's so contrary to what the world is teaching us today. Yeah. It's more, more, more. And then if you have less, then you're not as good as the ones who have more, more, more. And I think one good thing to look at too is of all the people that Christ watched that were given their tithes, the one he pointed out, was a woman who had nothing but gave everything. Gave everything, yeah. You know, we need to remember in our lives that, again, if you're on the wrong path, Satan's not going to mess with you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be persecuted. You're not going to be going through things. But if you put your path to that of God and you follow the word and you take the time and you show compassion, you show the fruits of the Spirit, you follow God's laws, Satan's going to be on top of you because he doesn't want you to be there at the end. He wants you to join him when everything is destroyed that's evil and wicked. Because he knows that he's going to go down. He's going to try to take as many with him as he can. As many as he can. Well, I don't know, but this was a a pretty good quarter. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think it's going to... It's going to be something, a lot of the lessons in here are going to be something that's going to stick with me for a long time, definitely. I learned a lot of new things, even though I thought when I be, when we began this quarter, I was like, oh, yeah, I, you know, money, tithe, yep. we're all good. <laughs> but there was so many more topics that, that it really got into that I think we were able to talk about and see some some things that, that I didn't even realize, you know, yeah. going into it. So it was, it was definitely a good quarter. A lot of good blessings, you know. Just take the time and read. And this quarter definitely opened my eyes to a lot. I know it's opened up my wife's eyes to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the beauty of a good lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can look at it and think about it like a week or two later, a month later, it hits you like a year later. Or make those changes that last for you know, yeah. the rest of your life, maybe, you know. Like that would be something that, that you pull from this is something that actually changes enough where you – where you make it part of your life yep. moving forward. So, wow. wow. Good lesson. Yes. Really good lesson. But 
you know, with that, I want to say thank you for everybody for listening. And if you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website. It's www.3angelsda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelsda.org slash podcast. And use the comment section that we have on there. There you, you can also listen to any of the previous lessons as well as some of our other programs that uh, we're going to be putting together here in the Three Angel Studio. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast and our previous episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and I think we have a few other areas that (laughs) these are going out to. Um, It's easy. Just go on there and search ABQ Three Angels Podcasts, and these lessons will pop up. Um, Again, we want to say God bless you all, and thank you all for joining us. Um, Next week, we're going to be starting the new quarter. Um, That lesson is titled... Let me bring that and up. as you look for that, one more quick note about next week's podcast. We're going to be changing when we're releasing this podcast. So moving forward, we're going to re- be releasing the Sabbath school study hour a week before. So what that's going to allow you to do is we're going to still release it every Saturday evening. But when we do release it, it's going to be for the week upcoming instead of the week of. So it's going to be able to allow you to be able to prepare for your Sabbath school classes um, for the Saturday that's coming up instead of listening to <laughs> listening to how it's been for the week of. So we're going to be changing when we release it. So you're going to be able to spend your entire week listening to this lesson to get you ready for the upcoming week. So with that, uh, the next lesson that we're going to be talking about, and this is the first lesson of the new quarter, Jesus wins, Satan loses. I think this is what we've been leading up to yeah. this past quarter, and I'm excited for this because I, I'm looking at it and – it's definitely going to be a really good quarter. Yeah. So we look forward to you guys listening in and joining us. And again, thank you. All right. I'm going to go ahead and close the prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for being with us throughout this entire quarter, Lord. And, and as we studied each one of these lessons and pulling out the things that were extremely meaningful to us personally, we pray that um, as listeners were able to listen into all of these lessons that they were all also able to pull out some of the key points and apply them to their lives lord we thank you for these lessons that they help us to open our eyes and to see things that we weren't even paying attention to things that we didn't even think of sometimes we can look at a topic and assume that we know all all that there is to know about it but we've we've seen that throughout this quarter we've even been proved wrong on that sense thinking that what we knew was enough but there was so much <clears throat> so much more underneath the, that that we needed to learn, Lord. And I pray that you will help us to continue to follow these principles for the rest of our lives, Lord. Not something that we just do for a couple of weeks and then fall off. But we pray that you will help us to continue to make the changes that you want us in, in, in relation to our financial matters, taking care of our families and taking care of others, and especially taking care of the church, Lord, and making sure that the ministry continues to move forward. We thank you for all of your blessings, Lord, and we pray that you will continue to bless everyone who is listening and that we continue to do your work and to be able to um, help to further the, the gospel message so that you will return soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This podcast has been brought to you by the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church. If you would like to know more about our church, please visit threeangelsda.org.